God is good. Amen. It's good to see each one. You have your Bibles turned to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. We're ending up a series that we've entitled Coming of the Perfect Storm. Daniel chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 5 through 26 on and off plus a couple of others. You know, and I've told you for the past three weeks, I believe there is a perfect storm on the horizon that is headed for this nation. I believe it's one that this nation, the people of this nation are not prepared for. And at this late date, unless God intervenes, I do not see how we can avoid this perfect storm that is barreling down on this nation. We're not talking about the ultimate perfect storm that we know as the second coming of Jesus Christ that will end this dispensation, rather a prefillment of that perfect storm, ultimate storm, that's going to hit this United States. And as a result of it hitting this nation, the greatest nation that's ever been on the face of the earth, it is going to remove us from being the powerhouse of the world to a second-rate country that will have no influence, that will have no power, that will have no respect of the rest of the nations, all because of the sin that has overtaken this nation. And one result of that is the silence of the church that is supposed to be salt and light to this world, yet the church has become a chameleon trying to just blend in with society and blend in with the wickedness of this world in order to not cause any problems, not to bring harm upon itself, and so on and so forth. You know, if you think one man can make America great again, or if you think that one man can build back better, you're highly mistaken. I don't care what happens tomorrow, March the 1st, with the primaries. I don't care what happens November the 8th, you know, elections that's coming up. If my people, God tells us, if my people do not humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from our wicked ways, God will not hear our cries and He will not forgive our sins and He will not restore America to the greatest nation that's ever been on the face of this earth. John, go ahead and throw that up there, son. We, we, you know, God, we, we will not be the God-fearing nation that we once was. Yeah, we won't be the God-blessed nation you know, that we once was. We won't be the loving nation that loved God the way we once were. And you know what? I don't think we're there now. I don't think we're the same nation that, that, that has put God, that has built you know, uh, our nation upon the Word of God. Folks, we have left that. And because we have left the Word of God, we have left God, whether we want to realize that or not. No man or woman will be able to stop the coming perfect storm, folks, that's right around the corner. Now, I don't want to sound like doom and gloom. I'm just telling you fact, okay? And if it's doom and gloom, so be it. Look, there's so many examples we could draw from in the Scripture what happens when a nation turns its back on God and allow sin to run rampant, allow their leaders to go unchecked, and simply fall into the status quo. But the one I want to look at this morning, you know, is found here in the book of Daniel, you know, and we'll be simple this morning, kind of like we was last week, and, and break it down to just three main points. First of all, when God shows up, I will assure you it brings fear on the heart of man. If God has ever showed up for you, it has brought fear upon you. And in our story this morning, we see that very thing, Daniel chapter 5, beginning with verse 5. <clears throat> In that same hour came forth 
uh, uh, fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. In verse 6, look what happens when God shows up. Then the king's countenance was changed. Now, until this point, boy, they was having a high old time. They were drinking. They were partying. They were dancing. Everything Baptists don't do, huh? They were doing all of this stuff, having a grand old time. And let's look at this. Then the king's countenance, when God showed up, was changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosened and his knees smote one against another. In other words, he got weak knees, okay? In fact, I bet he even fell to the ground. His knees were so weak. Let's read on. The king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men and the soothsayers, okay, uh, 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 Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof, shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be a third ruler of the kingdom. Then came all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known the king's interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now what that means is they had never seen the king so frightened. And it just astounded them that this is the king. And look how frightened he is. Folks, listen, when God shows up, I don't care who you are, how powerful you are, it's going to change you. You know, though, though there have been many chapters, sad chapters in the Bible, I believe this may be one of the saddest. You know, in this chapter, we see a man of great wealth. We see a man of immense power, yet, he was poverty-stricken in his soul as if he was a poor beggar. He was a great ruler of a vast kingdom, yet he was a man who was unable to rule his own heart. He was a man who commanded fear of his subjects, yet he had no fear of the living God. He walked among the wisest of men, we, we know, of that day, and yet he was a man who was ruled with his own ignorance when it came to the most important things in life. And though he was a man of great power, though he was a man of great authority and feared by many, we see what happens when such a man with such power, with such authority, comes face to face with the almighty God of heaven. You see, when this powerful ruler was confronted by the almighty God, the king's countenance was changed. Look, we find Belshazzar in our context here throwing a big party, and after much wine, in other words, he had a little bit more than just for the stomach's sake, okay? After much wine, we see that, you know, he orders that the golden vessels and the silver vessels that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from the temple in Jerusalem when he kidnapped the Israelites and took them to Babylon, he ordered that they be brought in, the sacred cups of the children of God, be brought in. And then they took these sacred cups and they began drinking wine from them. And while they were drinking wine, they wasn't praising God Jehovah. They were praising the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. 
They were praising all the other gods out of the sacred vessels of God. Look, this man of great power, of authority, and feared by many, he suddenly went from party mode to fear mode. From party mode to fear mode when the hand of God showed up and began writing the most important message of Belshazzar's lifetime. All had been fun and games, okay? All had been drinking and dance. Everything was going as the king had planned until the hand of God showed up and began writing on the wall of the palace. Listen, America thinks everything is going great. We are eating, we are drinking, we are marrying, we are giving in marriage. We're having a grand old time in our sin, just as was Belshazzar and his kingdom. We are praising the gods of gold, of silver. We're praising the gods of brass and iron and wood, of stone, just as they were. We're praising the god of self. We're praising the god of sex. We're praising the god of material wealth. We're praising every god but God Jehovah. We're praising every God but Him. And America had better wake up as the hand of God is about to really shake things up. This time, it will not just be writing on the wall, folks. It's going to be a perfect storm that is going to change the countenance of every politician who's partying it up now. It's going to change the countenance of every top dog who gives money under the table to politicians to get what they want. You know, all the so-called common people who, who, who think living the good life of these things of the world are more important than a relationship with the living God, it's going to affect them. And let's not forget the believers those of us who truly know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, let's not forget the believers who have given in to the ways of the world in order to fit in and be accepted. And I want to suggest to you there's many believers who have blended in with the world, with the sins of the world, with the things of the world, in order just to be fit in and accepted by the world. Look, those who have refused to be salt and light, why? Because it wasn't the popular thing to do. Why? Because it wasn't the politically correct thing to do. Listen, if you fit into that category, even if you're a believer, when the hand of God shows up, folks, it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for you. When God appears, those smiles are going to be turned upside down. That laughter is going to be turned to tears. And those knees are going to be weakened to the point that you're not even get able, going to be able to stand. There's coming a day in which every knee shall bow and every tongue is going to confess. And folks, when that perfect storm hits the United States of America, trust me, every knee will bow. I don't care how you know, powerful any leader of this nation is. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ, he is Lord. You see, what did it say in verse 6b? That the joints of his loins were loosened and his knees smote against one another. 
Look, the king thought that because he was king and had the power and the authority of the throne, throne that he was the most powerful person in the world. And maybe at that time he was in the known world, but not when God shows up. Not when God shows up. You know, at the name of Jesus, folks, every knee is going to be weakened. Every knee. You see, when the hand of God appeared, even the great Belshazzar was unable to stand. All the nobles, all of his cabinet, everyone present was astonished when they seen his knees sitting there and just beating against one another. Can you imagine? Because he was so powerful. He was the king. He was the great Belshazzar. And they're looking at him and they're seeing his knees beat together. I will assure you that got their attention. As this great man buckled out of fear from the one who was writing on the wall. Belshazzar is like a lot of many people in our day, folks. They're living for this life. And we got a lot of people even in our churches who are living for this life, for this life, and this life only. They're living to gratify the flesh with absolutely no thought about eternity. They party, they play, they, they live for the good times, never realizing that there's coming a day that fun is going to end. And they're going to have to confront the living God. Face to face. I don't care who is in the White House. I don't care who's in the Senate. I don't care who's in the Congress. I don't care who those nine people wearing them black robes, you know, sitting on that Supreme Court of the United States is. When that perfect storm hits, folks, their knees are going to buckle. All that power will be gone because the power of God will be present. They, too, will experience a countenance change on their face they too will fall to the ground knowing that one of greater power has arrived on the scene and there's nothing they can do about it. Now the second thing is those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We've heard that before. Here's what I'm talking about that. Speaking about his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, when Daniel is called, uh, you know, to come uh, read the, uh, interpret the writing, Daniel reminds him about what happened to old Ned his grandpa. And look at verse 19. Let's skip on down to there. Daniel has been called. The queen, you know, told Belshazzar, hey, there's a guy here in the kingdom, you know, that, that interpreted some things for your grandpa. Why don't you bring him in here and let's see if he can interpret this. She said, I bet he can. So here comes Daniel on the scene. They go grab Daniel. They bring Daniel in. And let's pick up in verse 19. And for the majesty that he gave him, all the people uh, and the nation. Now, he, Daniel here is reminding him of his grandpa, Nebuchadnezzar. He said, and of all the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and language trembled and feared before him. Again, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, whom he would slew and whom he would keep alive and whom he would set up and whom he would put down. Verse 20, but when his heart was lifted up, now he's talking about when Nebuchadnezzar, you know, thought he was above all judgment. When Nebuchadnezzar's pride set in and he thought he was above all. He says, when his heart was lifted up and his mind was hardened in pride, he was disposed from the kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men 
and his heart was made like the beast that dwelleth uh, was, um, uh, with wild asses. They fed him grass like an oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of the heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he uh, appointeth over whom he soever will. In other words, what Daniel is reminding him, you remember your old grandpa, you know, his pride took over just like your pride has taken over. And the next thing you know, Belshazzar, your grandpa was on all fours in the wet grass, eating grass just like the oxen that was next to him. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar went totally crazy, okay? He went totally crazy. Why? Because he did not see Jehovah as the Almighty. His pride overtook him. Let's read on verse 22. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all of this. In other words, he's saying, you knew about your grandpa. You know, people probably even laughed about, yeah, old Neb, he, he, he used to rule this. He had all this authority. He had all this power. Look at him. I bet people just laughed as they walked by in the pasture and seen old Neb out there on all fours just eating grass. And what Daniel is reminding Belshazzar, you knew about this, Belshazzar. You knew that as a result of the pride of your grandpa, that's why he was on all fours. That's why he lost his mind. That's why he was eating grass. What did he say? You know about this. But look at verse 23. Here's one of them sad buts. But has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee. And thou, with thy lords, with your wives, with your concubines, have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the God of silver, and the God of gold, the God of brass, iron, wood, stone, which seeth not, nor heareth, nor know. And the God whose in hand, uh, excuse me, and, and the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. And then he says in verse 24, Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this was what was written. You see, history repeats itself, folks, because people don't listen the first time. And there's a lot of people in a lot of churches who are not listening to history. And history will uh, repeat itself if we don't learn from it. If we don't learn from it. Look, in, in reality, Belshazzar had no excuse for the, uh, the mistake he was making as the king of Babylon. His problem is much like the problem of many today. They fail to learn from the mistakes of others. I, I, I just got to stop here, and I got to throw this in. This is what bothers me about kids. We as parents have made mistakes. Would that be a fair statement? Is anyone here as a parent who's never made a mistake? Raise your hand. Next week, I'll preach on lying, okay? Okay. We've all made mistakes. But how does it make you feel when you set your child down because you see them making that same mistake that you made 20, 30, 40 years ago, and you sit them down and say, look, let me tell you what happened when I made this same mistake. And it goes in one ear and out the other. And what happens? They're doomed to make that same mistake. Because they fail to listen the first time. 
And that's what he, Daniel was telling, Nebuch- I mean, telling Belshazzar. Learn from the mistakes of your grandpa. You've seen him or you heard about him out there eating grass. Look, all he would have had to do was look at the mistakes of his grandfather. You know, you go back just one chapter and you can see his grandfather had the same problem that he did. You know, pride, self-centeredness, self-conceit, and the total disregard for the God of heaven. And because of the evil of Nebuchadnezzar, that's why he found himself eating grass like an ox. Now, what were the king's opportunities of knowing the will of God? In other words, what was Daniel talking about here? They, 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 They were more than some may think which should have saved him from the punishment. Now, there's two history lessons Belshazzar should have learned from. The first one is the knowledge of the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar. He knew what the judgment was. He knew the reason his grandpa was on all fours there eating grass. He knew that was a judgment from God because of the pride that he had in his life. What did he say in verse 22? Look at that. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hath not humbled thine heart, though thou knew all of this. In other words, you should have learned from his mistake. You should have learned from his mistake. And though he knew all uh, knew the seven-year judgment that fell upon his grandfather for his refusal to recognize the one true God, on all fours, eating grass like a cow, and also knowing the results of a repentant uh, Nebuchadnezzar, which was God restoring back to his sanity, he still refused to acknowledge Jehovah. Now, the second thing is this. Special divine revelations that he was aware of. Belshazzar was aware of some divine revelations. You see, most scholars agree that Nebuchadnezzar may have only been dead some 20 to 25 years before this event took place. Therefore, the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, okay? And, you know, uh, the story of the deliverance of the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, all of that would have still been fresh in the mind of Belshazzar. So he should have learned from the divine revelation that he knew about when it comes to God taking care of his children. All of these things Belshazzar had forgotten and dishonored God, but God had not forgotten him, and God had not forgotten his prideful heart now the third and final thing is this the days of a nation are numbered when that nation turns from the living God now whether you think this nation has turned from the living God or not that's your own personal opinion my opinion is we turn from the living God as a nation as a whole many many years ago I believe we started making that turn in the 60s. And now I believe we've made the complete turn as a nation. And when a nation turns its back on the living God, the days of that nation are numbered. Let's talk about this for a moment. Look at verse 25. Now when Daniel come in, Belshazzar said, look up on that wall. And I mean, stop and think about this. If we was in here and all of a sudden... You know, the plaster on that wall. We seen a hand begin to just write some words. Do you think that might shake you up? But what would shake you up more is when you found out what those words actually said. Let's see what those words actually said. In verse 25, 
And this is the writing that was written. Many, many, tickle euphoresis. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Many simply means God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tickle, thou art weighed in the, weighed in the balance and you're found wanting. And then Perez or euphoresis, same word. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So as Daniel come in, he stood there and he looked at that writing on the wall and I believe he kind of looked at Belshazzar and he said, uh, yeah, I can interpret that. Belshazzar, here's what that says. You know, your days have been numbered. Your days and the days of this kingdom have been numbered. And Belshazzar, the reason your days have been numbered is because God has weighed this nation God has weighed this kingdom and he sees you coming up short. He sees you're coming up short. And because of that, this kingdom is divided and it's given to the Medes and the Persians. I don't think in my lifetime that I have ever seen any more division in this nation than I see today. We are living in a divided nation. And I believe the reason for that division, folks, is just three letters. S-I-N. Sin has divided this nation. What does sin do with our relationship with God? It divides our relationship with God. Let's talk about this. If Jesus came back today, would he find faith in this land or would he find faithfulness in the churches of America? I don't think so. I don't think so. I firmly believe that he would find greater faith in places around the world where the church is being persecuted. I believe he would find better faith with the churches in Egypt. I believe, you know, because they get their heads cut off over there by being a believer. But does that stop them from saying, no, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? No, it doesn't stop them. That's faith. Here in America, if somebody laughs at us for standing up for our faith, what do we do? We cower down, tuck our tail, and run. I believe God would find better faith, you know, in places like Iraq and Iran and North Korea and China where being a believer costs something, something like your life. That's where God would find faithfulness, folks. I don't think God would find faithfulness in the churches of the United States of America. If we would be honest, American believers have become spiritually fat, lazy, and it's because there's not a price to be paid. And because of that, our faith has become weak, we've become complacent, and as a result, this nation has not just drifted away from God. This nation has lost sight of the living God. As I told you last week, the form of Christianity practiced in the United States of America today is a cheap, easy, watered-down version that has little or no cost, little or no sacrifice, commitment, or righteousness attached to it. Look, but when that coming perfect storm hits, folks, people are going to realize 
the voice of God has spoken just as with Belshazzar. But just like with Belshazzar, it's going to be too late to discover that as a nation we're finished. We will have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And the U.S. will no longer be that superpower that it once was. Let me suggest to you, the world is laughing at us today. World leaders are laughing at us today. Why do you think Putin decided to go on into Ukraine? Because he was laughing at our leaders. Knowing that we're a weak nation. Because we have weak leaders god help us let's take a look a little bit more in depth at what this finger wrote on the wall first of all many many in other words your days are numbered now i believe there's no coincidence this is the only word that he used twice he repeated it twice and i believe for the sake of emphasis making sure belshazzar knew that both his days and the days of his kingdom had been numbered i think that's why he said many many twice your days and the days of your kingdom have been numbered. And when the days of a kingdom are numbered, folks, we must understand that it's God himself who numbers them. And once numbered by God, that means a bringing to the end of that kingdom. The king of Babylon was wicked, thereby causing his kingdom to become wicked. Listen to me. Don't miss this. When we elect wicked leaders we're allowing our nation to become wicked because we have wicked leadership we have wicked leadership and because of a lack of a spiritual leader the kingdom was weighed and it was found lacking i want to suggest to you again i got a lot of suggestions this morning that means you can take it or leave it but i want to suggest to you that America lacks spiritual leadership. America lacks godly leadership. And because of that, America is coming up short as God is weighing us even right now, today. Now, the next thing he said here is tinkle, tinkle. That implies both an act of weighing and, and a fact of being found light. You know, just as a goldsmith, as he puts gold, you know, upon the, the balances there, and when it comes up short, he knows it's short. The spiritual level of Babylon was placed on the scale of God. And what he's saying is it came out light. And again, because of a lack of a spiritual leader, the kingdom suffered. Now, the last thing he said is you farsen. Your kingdom is divided. You farsen implies division. The kingdom is divided. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to divide your kingdom. It's a strong kingdom now, but I'm cutting it right in half, giving half to the Pers uh, Medes, the other half to the Persians. You're losing your kingdom. I'm convinced that the United States of America has been weighed in the balances, and folks, we have been found wanting, and as a result, time is up for our nation. Our Belshazzar is the ungodly democratic president with an ungodly democratic controlled Congress. 
that proudly supports same-sex marriage and the killing of babies within the womb, and, and, and many who call themselves Christians support these type of people, and the reason they support these type of people, these wicked people, is because these wicked people give them food and housing that don't cost them a dime. Therefore, they go right along with this. You know what they're actually doing? Listen, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, and you're giving in to the wickedness of wicked leaders just so they will give you food, food, just so they will give you housing, just so they'll pay your electric bill. You're just as wicked as they are. Now, Pastor, are you calling a saved person wicked? Yeah. <laughs> if they're playing along with the wicked people, yes. Yes, because that is what has happened within, in our nation. They have sold their values for a bowl of soup. And that's another lesson that the Bible teaches. They've sold their soul for a bowl of soup. In this case, for welfare, for food stamps, for housing, for all of this. You know, yeah, I don't believe in what they're doing, but I'll go along with it as long as they give me. Listen. When a nation is willing to trade the spiritual for the material, the days of that nation are going to be numbered. They will be weighed and found wanting, and the vision will come in the form of judgment and destruction. Folks, it's not far away. It's not far away. Belshazzar believed that Babylon was safe. You know, they, 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 it was said that they had enough food in Babylon stored up for 20 years. There was plenty of water because the Euphrates River ran right under it or right there in it. So they had plenty of water. They had plenty of food. They were surrounded by immense walls. Some of their walls were 300 foot high around this city. Now, for those of you who can't imagine 300 feet, it's the length of a football field. Okay? So Belshazzar felt, we're safe. We've got plenty of food. We've got plenty of water. We've got, you know, armed guards around the towers. We've got soldiers. We've got the best army there is. We are unconquerable. Nobody can overtake Babylon. Well, <laughs> he thought his kingdom could continue for many years. However, Darius, the opposing general, if you remember the story, he had his troops to, uh, cut off the Euphrates River, dam it up. And what happened? The water level went down, and they just went right under the wall and took Babylon. And that very night, that very night, Belshazzar was slain. His kingdom was divided, given to the Medes and the Persians. Why? Because of the pride of the leaders, because of the wickedness of the leaders. Where is America? Oh, well, we got we 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 got ample food. Although some people are saying, you know, Walmart shelves are empty. I don't know how various of them go. And count on one hand how many times I go in Walmart uh, a year. Food shelves may be empty, but on some places. But overall, we got plenty of food. You run short, Jimmy's got some greens coming up, don't you, Jimmy? 
Our stock market is good. What is stock market? Over 30,000 now, something like that. That's good. Things are going good. We got a good stock market. We got the greatest military on the face of the earth. Pastor, nobody can take us as a nation. We're invincible. Wake up. That's the same thing Belshazzar thought. We're invincible. Folks, listen, the writing is on the wall. For the past century, we have elected evil leaders, and as a result of electing evil leaders, we have become an evil nation. Look, we were once a godly nation that feared God. Now we're a nation who thumbs our nose at the face of God. America, listen to the writing on the wall, meany, meany, tinkle, you farson. We've been weighed in the balance, and we're coming up short spiritually. We're coming up short spiritually. After seven years of living like an animal, Nebuchadnezzar finally looked to God, and as a result, Nebuchadnezzar changed his focus from his pride to the one true God. And as a result, he was given back his sanity. But he repented and recognized the one true God as God. America, if we do not turn back to God, this nation is going to experience a division like it's never faced before. Proud people want to hide their mistakes so other people don't know they have faults. Humble people will admit, just like Nebuchadnezzar did. You know, he, he, he showed that he become humble when he admitted his sin and pride. And in this letter, he wrote the whole world. I tell you what, turn to Daniel chapter 4. Let me show you the letter just real quick that Daniel wrote about his experience. Daniel chapter 4, look at verse 34. Here's what Daniel, I mean uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, had to say. Talking about at the end of his seven-year period, after, boy, I tell you what, he probably lost a lot of weight eating grass, wouldn't he? That'd be like just eating salad for the rest of your life. But here's what he said. But at the end of that period, talking about the seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned unto me. Now, what's he talking about? His reason, his sanity come back. What caused his sanity to come back? He finally recognized Jehovah. He said, I, I looked toward heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. America, we better look up to God. And trust me, it's not going to begin, it's not going to start looking up to God in Washington, D.C., it's not going to start in Austin, Texas. It has to start in the church of Jesus Christ. It's got to start with the people of God. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar experienced seven years of judgment when he finally looked up. His sanity was returned to him. 
I said earlier, I don't know if there's any hope for America. Maybe that was too much of a blanket statement. But I don't see Christian people looking up as Nebuchadnezzar did. Because I see too many people in our churches. I see too many pastors in our churches, you know, who are not leading their people in a spiritual way. Because more members mean more money. More money means more power. So when I said earlier, I, just, I, I, I don't see there's any hope, it's only because I don't, there, there's nothing I see in, with Christian people in the United States of America today that would lead me to believe they would do like Nebuchadnezzar here, raise their eyes toward heaven, you know, and bless the Most High God and praise Him and honor Him who lives forever. I don't see the church of Jesus Christ going that far because we've done, become complacent. And we've come too dependent upon the government meeting our needs rather than God meeting our needs. Do you think it's only coincidence that Nebuchadnezzar was <coughs> in the time of judgment for seven years? Notice the difference with grandpa and grandson. Grandpa set pride aside, humbled himself, confessed his sins, and as a result was able to be forgiven by the Most High God. Grandson, though, Belshazzar, he never did repent. And he died in his sins. And he took his kingdom down with him. Paul told the church at Corinth, today is the day of salvation. Why today? Because there's going to come a day when time and mercy and the grace of God is going to be exalted, uh, exhausted. There won't be another chance. In that day, nothing will remain but death, hell, and judgment. Now, when this perfect storm comes, when this perfect storm hits, folks, just like with the writing on Belshazzar's wall, it's going to be too late because that night it ended for Belshazzar. That night it ended for his kingdom. In verse 30, we see that very night Belshazzar, the king of the Babylonians, was slain. Church, we need to wake up. We need to begin once again getting serious about our relationship with God. We need to stop depending upon wicked leaders to meet our needs. We need to begin once again taking a stand against unrighteousness. We need to begin again being vocal about the sin that's around us, not just, well, I don't want to be a troublemaker. Oh, and by the way, you know, Pastor, you know, Jesus was meek and mild, and, you know, he never got upset about things like that. Well, I guarantee you, them people in that temple that day, he went in there with the whip, didn't think that. Church, we have to take a stand against the evil that's about us if there's ever hope, any hope, of America being what it was prior to the 1960s when we began turning our back on God. Where's that going to begin? With you and with me. Getting serious with God again. Stop playing these games. Getting serious with God.
Now look at here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can't get serious with God because you don't know God. And what you need to do is turn your heart and your life over to Him. Ask Him to forgive you. Come into your heart. Save your soul. Become one of His children. And then experience all He has for you. But church, if you didn't vote early voting, I encourage you tomorrow, please do some research on people before you vote for them. Don't just vote for them because they promise you stuff. Promise to give you this, that, or the other. Are they godly people? If they're not, don't vote for them. That's the problem in the United States today. We have elected ungodly people, wicked people. And as I said earlier, wicked leaders make for wicked nations. And that's where we're at. Let's pray.